outside. Jeff Smith, he didn't get there. Fumbles the football. Oklahoma takes over. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Through the Keyhole once again. And yes, uh, the name change went in effect. Oh, what was it? Last Thursday. Um, So much has happened since last Thursday. Uh, The emotions have gone up. They've gone down. They plummeted to near... uh, I don't even know what to say. I mean, you all know how you felt on Saturday around two or three o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, If you were there in Norman on campus at the stadium, just tailgating uh, like I was just tailgating. Not only was it super hot outside, super sweaty and sticky outside, but what we saw unfold was not what we were told to expect and is not what we all individually expected. But hey, Oklahoma's one to know. I guess that that's the important thing, but oh well. But yes, the name change from inside OU to through the keyhole is now in effect. And again, I will remind you, this is all free. This one is the free one. We have our Patreon page at through the keyhole. Um, you can expect free podcasts still on this feed. We will put extra exclusive content on our Patreon page that we will, of course, pump on Twitter like we always do and on our Facebook page, which you can find at Keyhole Pod on Facebook where we put all of our little stories and content stuff on there. Uh, But moving forward, everything is just called through the keyhole because I'm tired of differentiating between two different things that are essentially the same thing. So there's that. And now moving forward, um, in addition to our free weekly podcast that we'll do on this feed, uh, and then, of course, the X's and O's preview, which goes exclusively on Patreon for the first 24 hours on Thursday, and then it's free for everybody on Friday moving forward. Uh, In addition to that, I... I am now joined by my good friend, uh, the Road Warrior, who you know from Soonerfans.com, you know from Sooner Spectator Magazine over the years. Uh, if you were a longtime listener of this podcast uh, back in the Inside OU days last season, I had this gentleman on uh, basically every week talking about the game at large, and especially since this man has been on the road with Oklahoma since, what was it, what was it, 1992, 91? One. 91, okay, there we 91. go. So a lot of good times and quite a few bad times, but of course the last 20, 25 years have been a much, much better uh, than probably when you started. But yeah, uh, Mr. Road Warrior, welcome back to the show. I'm glad to have you and I'm glad that it's football season because that means I get to talk to you with all of your wisdom and all of your observations and uh, moving forward, you can expect this little edition of through the keyhole for free uh, every Monday. Well, thanks. It's, uh, it's good to be back. It's good to be football season. Uh, was kind of looking forward to going to new Orleans, but you know, <laughs> uh, I don't think that's a place you want to be right now. So uh, it is what it is. Yeah. Again, hopefully all of our friends uh, down in new Orleans are doing much better than they were last week. Um, JP from fear the wave, blog uh, that we did uh, a live stream with last oh wednesday or so they they had a goal to um for fundraising which i think was 500 dollars. and keegan and i helped out i mean we did not we, we are not the reason for this but we were on the live stream and it just happened to break the last i saw um three thousand dollars so that's great that made me feel very happy and i know there's a lot more effort around much bigger effort to help our friends down in Louisiana and the Gulf Coast area. So hopefully they're all good. And they were uh, entertained by their Tulane boys. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, for a fun football game from their end. And Tulane certainly looks like a fun team moving forward in the American Conference. But yeah, that happened. But before I get into kind of my uh, questions that I had for you, um, I mean, just general observations, because 
Of course, I was very emotional on Saturday, the post game pod on uh, the Patreon page. I was, you know, that was still about four or five hours after the game had ended. And I was still like, what, what the hell did we just watch? What, why did that happen? And now a few days later, okay. Like when Alex Grinch says it was effort, they showed more effort when Spencer Rattler essentially said the same thing. I'm like, okay, well, hopefully this never happens again. And if we see the same OU team with just more effort, it's a much cleaner game. It's a much more dominant game moving forward as they navigate their schedule. But, you know, now having a few days, what, like, how have you shifted or do you feel the same that you felt around three o'clock on Saturday? Oh, I feel the same, but, but by the time the game was over, I was where you are now. So. Yeah. Much more level-headed you are uh, compared to, compared to me. Maybe it was just, I've seen this, I've seen this kind of thing happen. (laughs) I remember, I remember, I mean, it used to happen to Switzer's teams all the time. I remember, uh, I think it was 77, 79, something like that. We played Vanderbilt in the first game and won like yep. 25 to 22. This kind of thing happens. It happened to, it happened to Stoops occasionally. Um, it happens to everybody occasionally, except Alabama, I guess. Nothing ever happens to Alabama. But, um, <laughs> so, you know, as long as we manage to win, I'm okay with it. I mean, it was pretty clear. You know, we scored 30 straight points at one point. Uh, you know, the defense made three turnovers. Um, you know, Rattler completed, what was it? 70 something percent of his passes. And everybody thought he had a bad through through for 300 yards. Everybody thought he had a bad game. Um, and yeah, there were definitely some things that he could improve on, you know, that, that interception on the second play of the game, he, he had Hall or somebody was 20 yards, was in the flat on the left, 20 yards away from anybody who throws it to him. You know, it's not a problem. So, I mean, he's still got some, some better decisions to make, but, um, you know, we won and that's, you know, it's over and move on to the next one. So exactly. And it, like, I'm going to credit Joe Bettner, uh, formerly of the Norman transcript, but he's actually got a sub stack going, um, which I believe it's called eyes on Oklahoma. And if you're no, you fan, and you're listening to this podcast, highly recommend Joe does a wonderful job covering Oklahoma and just being a personality that knows the ins and outs of the sooner program. So it's eyes on Oklahoma once again, but he described Rattler's performance as a, Basically, basically, just a great Landry Jones impression because it, it had everything. He, you you break the three hundred yard you know mark. Uh, you you have kind of spells of just like look at that throw. That's a that is that is some that is a throw that only about five or ten people on earth can make at that level. And then even moving forward into the NFL, but then there are just like three to six, three to five, three to six plays that just kind of counterbalance everything that make you go what what was that. And yeah, like that's probably the biggest shift that I've had from Saturday until now, uh, talking with Keegan and the film review he did, which again was incredible on our Patreon page. Um, mainly just my whole Rattler thing. Um, not as bad as I had thought. Three or four bad passes. Unfortunately for Oklahoma, those three or four bad passes were just amplified by the just the total team lackadaisical quote-unquote effort. So maybe if Oklahoma just as a team showed a lot more effort more consistently and more early on than especially in the second half, those three or four bad throws that he made wouldn't have mattered in the grand scheme of things. So that's the hope moving forward. But um, I did want to throw this at you as well. Um, I wrote about this, what was it, uh, yesterday on the page. That game on Saturday reminded me so much of the Kansas State game last year. It, it had the same beats. Uh, Oklahoma's up 28-7 to around the 630 mark uh, last year against Kansas State. And then 
all hell broke loose. I think Kansas State got the ball back and scored in three plays. That was the Deuce Vaughn big run down to the mm-hmm. two-yard line. And they were right back in the ball game. If OU stops them up 28 to 7 at that point in the game, and they even just go down the field and kick a field goal, 31 to 7, you know, you're Kansas State, you're probably thinking, all right, we're about this close from like calling it a day. Like we're, it's just too far, too little time. Let's just call it a day. Oklahoma around the 7-15 mark, so essentially the same time in the third quarter against Tulane, was that fourth and one attempt with Kennedy Brooks. And they lose four yards. They get the ball back. Tulane gets the ball back. They go down the field and score. uh, Down 37-14. to Get the two-point conversion. All of a sudden, it's 37-22. to So you can look at that game one of two ways. You can look at it and say, hey, OU had their inexplicable game symptoms, but they came out and won. Whereas in previous years, they've lost that game. Or you can look at it in the negative light and just go, Tulane's not as good as a Big 12 team. Um, it doesn't matter how good Tulane ends up being this season. Uh, that was still not a very good sign for a team with sky-high expectations. Well, I would say that I don't think – I never have put much stock in them. As long as you can win the first game, I've never have put much stock in how you look in the first game because, I mean, again, it happens a lot, uh, whether it's effort because of the opponent, whether – I mean – you know, again, we scored 30 straight points. We're up 37-14 at halftime. You know, by all rights, you know, that should have been a laugher. And it wasn't because they came out at halftime like the game was over yeah. and and played that way. And that's a mental thing. Um, and sometimes, and it's we've seen this with Riley's teams before, um, and, and unfortunately, sometimes they had to lose to, to learn this lesson. Hopefully they learn it, you know, from this game this time. But they learn that they, they can't coast. They have to continue to put forth the effort and it usually makes a big difference as you go along in the season. So, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to say it's, it's a positive at this point, but it could very well turn out to be a positive that the game worked out that way. Yeah. Cause you can also like, if you're going to go down that route, which I'm kind of in right now, you can just look at it as, okay, so now they're going to have a week, a hellish week of practice where the coaches are going to yell and scream at them about how, it's not supposed to be easy if you're going to win a national championship. And even if you win a big Twelve championship, it's not going to be handed to you. You know, they're going to go through that for five days and then they're going to have their get right game against Western Carolina where, because there is something to be said about, you need to see things take place. You need to see things happen to have the full confidence that it can happen later on down, down the line against tougher opponents. Like you need to see Mike Woods take a simple screen and run 40 yards. You need to see Eric Gray, catch a ball out like in the flat and be able to make a guy miss and showcase his ability just to bring that confidence back up. So, I mean, this could potentially be exactly what this team and this program needed, uh, this coaching staff needed. And like you said, yeah, they got the win and basically everybody, but Alabama, I mean, even the Georgia Clemson game was, I know people were saying like, well, those are two really good teams. I saw two very pedestrian offenses with great defenses and the game ended up being 10 to three. So basically everybody, but Alabama looked like, we just need to get out of week one as quickly as possible with a win. I mean, Iowa State struggled. Um, I mean, well, but that's that's like their trademark, though. Of course, I mean, they lose to you. They lose to UNI every other time they play them, and they lose to somebody in the first two games. I mean, FCS school or whatever. I mean, they lose to somebody early in the season. But they, I, I will be shocked if they beat Iowa next week, just because it's the second game of the season, and they didn't lose the first one, so they're probably going to lose the second one. Um, 
but you know the the uh, I don't know if you saw any of the Oregon game, Oregon and Fresno State. Probably not because oh, yeah. it was on the Pac-12 network. Uh, but that <laughs> game was was you know there was a lot of similarities in that game to to our game. Now Oregon, although in that game Oregon didn't jump out to a huge lead, and and Fresno had the ball with a chance to to send it into overtime at the end. Uh, real similar to our situation. So I mean it happens. Um, you win, you know, in in three weeks, you know, nobody's going to remember anything about this. By the time we go on the road to, to Kansas State in the first first uh, first Saturday in October, this will be forgotten. I certainly hope so. I mean, <laughs> again, they're going to beat Western Carolina handily. I hope, and they're more than likely going to beat Nebraska rather handily. And uh, I would assume, and I mean, get myself in trouble potentially because I assumed OU would look great on Saturday against Tulane, but I'm going to assume that the effort won't be in question uh, for a big game against, a at this point in their history, a helmet school in Nebraska uh, for this roster and for these players. But my my last little kind of grand scheme question I have for you uh, before we get further into the uh, structure of the show, you know, them scoring 30 straight points in the second quarter, because, I mean, in my opinion, Tulane outplayed Oklahoma for three quarters. They completely outplayed them for three quarters. The biggest difference was Gabe Burkich's leg and the second quarter for Oklahoma. Like Other than that, Tulane played a flawless game. And credit to them for doing so, because they absolutely had to to give themselves a chance. Uh, but we've seen the Spencer Rattler era Sooners do this, and we've even seen it. Uh, Jalen Hurts with his limitations as a quarterback, as a passer, the second half of that season, uh, of course, this kind of happened as well. So basically from the second half of 2019, the Texas game that year, until now, we've seen the, like Lincoln Riley's teams have problems just keeping their foot on the gas and keeping their foot on the throat of their opponent and allowing inferior opponents to kind of hang around and make a play or two and then start to you know believe that they can come back and beat the almighty Oklahoma Sooners. And that is just, to me, it's just a gigantic unnecessary hurdle that you have to overcome of like, all right, like this game should be over. We should be seeing Jade Knowles carry the ball, see what he brings to the table. We should be seeing Danny Stutzman get all the snaps in the late third quarter, um, most of the fourth quarter on defense. All these guys need to be rested and healing their bodies. It's just unnecessary for this. Should have seen Caleb Williams play at least a quarter. Yeah. He played a play. Yeah. Caleb Williams, hell Micah Bowens, Needs to get some, see what he can bring to the table. Uh, but, I mean, to me, it's it's just a little troubling. It's just a little concerning that this team, with what they struggled with last year and looking great for a quarter or two and then looking very pedestrian, letting their, their opponent come back, we saw that same thing game one. But like, like we've been talking about, maybe this is just kind of what they needed to push them in the proper direction. Well, yeah, I hope so. And, and you know, if you remember the... Uh at the tech game last year, which was, which was such a, you know, a, a, a merciless blowout after that game, you know, Spencer Rattler said, you know, that, that he had said to the team before the game, you know, we need to quit screwing around and, and stomp somebody. And then they went out and did it. Yeah. And, and that's really needs to be the mindset in every game is that we need to go out and stomp somebody. Um, I think that's uh, I think that was a large part of what was missing the other day. It was between the ears and not much, not, not, not really anywhere else. It was between the ears. 
again, hopefully this is just what the uh, the doctor ordered for this team uh, because they're going to be two and zero after Saturday. They're probably going to be three and zero heading into Big Twelve play. West Virginia was. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll admit it. I'll give them credit. Even though they lose to Maryland, it wasn't a game. I, I picked Maryland to win straight up. Uh, so, so I'm, I'm was kind of pleasantly surprised that West Virginia had a lead and just played a solid game overall. Uh, it's a good little sign for their program, uh, but it's, it's just going to get tougher after Nebraska. So hopefully this rather soft non-conference schedule and the wake up call against Tulane is just exactly what the doctor ordered. Like, like I said, but uh, without further ado, uh, what I'm going to do with uh, the Road Warrior, who you can, of course, follow on Twitter at OU Road Warrior for the awesome, awesome, awesome. It's one of my favorite things to see on Twitter during OU game days. Whenever OU wins, he'll always post the scoreboard. Uh, it's just kind of like, OK, that was real. OU won. I can relax and have a good time now. Uh, but yeah, follow him on Twitter at OU Road Warrior if you so choose. Uh, but now I just have a few questions about the game. And, you know, it's, it's going to be, you know, albeit it's going to be much more interesting when you're going to Manhattan, when you're going, it would have been a lot more fun if you were going to new Orleans, because you actually had texted me a few weeks before about what the plan was for this season, moving forward on the podcast. And at the time we were all still planning on going to new Orleans and I was fully like prepared to like, Hey, where are you at? Where's your hotel? Let's meet up and just do a podcast in person instead of zoom, uh, maybe over some, uh, Cajun food or some drinks, but unfortunately that was not to come. But it's going to be much more interesting when you're on the road. But uh, there is still something, some observations I'm curious about uh, when you're in the stadium on Owen Field Memorial Stadium. So the first one for you, Mr. Road Warrior, is going to be what was the game day atmosphere like for this one? And how is it going to be unique in your in your mind, given all the circumstances, just because the, the low the Tulane logo on the field, it's a home game for Tulane, but it's in Norman Uh not the lower bowl only, and it wasn't full uh, because I don't know how much time you spent around like tailgate area around campus before or after, but our tailgate spots on Brooks and Jenkins, and we're usually just sandwiched between, you know, 15, 20 other tailgates. We were one of the only ones out there. Uh, there were, there was a small cop presence and there's usually cops everywhere on campus walking around us. Brooks is usually closed, but Brooks was not closed in certain spots. So it was just, it was just odd. And then the game made it feel more odd. So I'm just curious, what was it like in the stadium for you? Well, it was, I, I mean, I, I haven't been to a game in Norman like that, even last year during the COVID, um, you know, once, once that got last year, you know, the, the lower, uh, capacity, you know, once you got used to it, or actually really once you went to the first game and this is what it's going to be, it was like, okay, that was kind of normal. Um, this game, I, I wasn't really sure what to expect. I, I, I guess I kind of expected the lower bowl to be full just because it Me always too. is. But I didn't think about the I didn't think about the fact of, you know, it was only four days notice. A lot of people travel Labor Day weekend, um, you know, a lot of things like that. Uh, you know, obviously I had travel planned, but the thing I was traveling to came to Norman. So that, you know, didn't affect my plans, but um, yeah, it was just, it was just odd. I mean, it was nice to see the band out there, but they were in t-shirts and shorts, which was weird. Um, we, we got it. We bought an RV this spring. And so we were parking over at Lloyd Noble for the first time to spend the night before the game. And uh, we're the only, uh, cause we don't have an electric, we haven't got an electric hookup spot yet over there. We're in the non-electric area. 
And I think we we're the only ones to buy a non-electric pass for this game because they just sold them like two days before it wasn't part of you had to buy it. It wasn't included in the season pass. And uh, we were the only we were the only uh, RV on the east side where the non-electric area was. Uh, we were parked right next to the basketball practice facility and we we're the only ones over there. Yeah. Uh, my brother came over before the game and met us and said he had driven in from Edmond that morning and said there was no traffic. So uh, it was just weird all the way around. Yeah, I'm actually kind of worried um, because I live in Oklahoma City, obviously. Um, I didn't go to campus or go to games during the game last year at all. I just didn't want to see Memorial Stadium and campus like that during a COVID year. Um, I was around campus for like some of our radio post game shows, but, you know, that's, you know, two hours after the games ended. So I didn't really know what to expect either way. Uh, but this was the first time that I'd ever driven to campus the day of a game from Oklahoma city. Cause I've always just lived in, lived in Norman. And I drove down around seven thirty, seven forty five, And I'm like, Hey, this is kind of, this is kind of smooth sailing, you know, for an 11 name kick. But then I remembered, Oh yeah, this, this game wasn't planned and how many people are actually coming. So now for Nebraska, I feel like, do I need to spend the night at my parents' house the night before or something? Because I can only imagine, I mean, there's going to be a lot of people coming from Nebraska down I-35 um, driving through Oklahoma City, I'd imagine. So uh, just another hurdle I'll have to like figure out as we move along. But um, what was the mood in the second half like? Because uh, a lot of people left during the first half or at halftime, obviously, because they, you know, they thought, okay, pack it in. It's hot. I'm going to go home and get some water, get some shade. Uh, but then, you know, from that seven minute mark on once to got the ball back and they started scoring. I mean, what was the atmosphere of the game like from that point on? Well, it was just, I mean, it was still weird. I mean, the atmosphere, I mean, so many people left. I mean, there were maybe 15,000 people by the time that, you know, all that was happening. Uh, maybe. Um, I mean, it was super empty. Um, so the, the vibe was just kind of bleh. And then the people who were there started getting fired up when they started coming back and things started happening. So, I mean, for the, for the amount of people that were, were there, it was okay. And they were making as much noise as they could, et cetera. But I mean, there just, there just wasn't anybody there. It was just, again, it was just part of the whole weirdness of the thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, OU fans, you know, n not all the time are, I mean, they're, they're accused of being rather, I don't know how do you want to call it uh, quick to leave. And it's like, you know, the program's kind of deserve that. Like when that conversation comes up, I, I don't really give it that much credence because um, if fans are leaving, it's because either OU's unfortunately embarrassing them themselves, which doesn't happen at all very often, or they're destroying some oh Texas tech or, or Kansas or uh, Baylor. It's like, we've seen this a thousand times. I want to go get some food. I don't want to stand in line to pee. I want to go have some more beer for, you know, cheap or something and not be surrounded by 90,000 people. So it's like, I understand that. I, I'm not here for that. Oh, you need to stay for the entire game. Do whatever you want. You pay to be there. Uh, if it's a close game or a big game, people are going to stay. Like, it, it's as simple as that. And, you know, when OU goes to the SEC, I think you'll probably see a fuller stadium, even if OU's up 45 to nothing to get somebody in conference, just because, hey, we've never seen them play Mississippi State. We've never seen them play South Carolina. This is a lot of fun. Plus, the opponent's probably going to bring a lot more fans than the Texas Tech or whoever it may be. But um, at least that, the first time around. Yeah. Yeah. There's going <laughs> to, game day is going to be a lot more 
I, I don't even know what to expect. And I mean, I, I don't know. Did you hear about uh, the Big 12's meeting today? I saw something on Twitter, but I was driving. Yeah, I, I heard about it. And supposedly Houston has a Regents meeting scheduled for tomorrow. Um, so uh, what I heard was that they have they haven't invited anybody, but I think that the Houston, BYU, UCF, and uh, Cincinnati are going to request invitations like we requested invitations to the SEC. Oh. Um, and, and there was some some talk about that uh, those schools would come in in 2023. Um, and so there would be one more year with 10, and then there would be a year with 14. Uh, before or actually two years with 14 before we left in 2025 and I'm thinking if they bring those four in I'm uh, that just makes it more likely we're gone earlier but oh um, yeah yeah I mean I've kind of like Keegan and I like since this news dropped what two month and a half or two months ago whenever it was um, or a month ago I, I have no concept of time from the offseason on but um, we were always under the impression like a lot of people like they'll be in the SEC next year because either a school or two in this conference gets picked up by another power five conference. And then if that happens, then everything dies in this conference more so than it already has, or they're just going to add more teams so that they can survive because it's a product. Like if, if your product seems stale or dying, like you can't survive much longer, even if you have something written down on paper until 2025 or whatever. So I've been under the impression that OU's going to jump to the sec uh, as early as probably next year. Uh, but, you know, I'll, I'll kind of hijack the conversation just because I've not really got your take on the SEC move uh, since then. But just from your standpoint, logistically, I mean, how excited are you to go uh, for you to go to road games in Oxford or even, I mean, dare I say Baton Rouge, but especially like Tuscaloosa, um, the swamp. I know Gainesville is not that attractive of a town or a campus, but it's it's the swamp. It's like a great arena for college football, even a place like South Carolina, which OU has never been to. OU's never played South Carolina, like stuff like that. I mean, how how excited are you for those trips now? Oh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I've been to been to I mean I've been to Tus I've been to a game in Tuscaloosa. I've uh, been to a game at Tennessee. Uh where else have I been to a game at in the in the SEC? Uh, Texas A&M and Missouri, but that doesn't really count. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I've been, I haven't been in the swamp. I've been to the swamp. Uh, we drove by it once on the way to the orange bowl, just cause we were in Gainesville. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward, I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's uh, going to be a lot more driving. Um, you know, it's, there's no good way to get to Oxford, Mississippi or anywhere else in Mississippi, but to drive, um, you know, Gainesville will probably be a flight. South Carolina will be a flight. Um, you know, some of those other places. I'm really not looking forward to going back to Missouri. We're probably gonna have to play Missouri every year. I hate those people with a passion. Oh yeah. Oh, I remember, God. I remember, I remember you're a thing with Missouri fans. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's not from football. It's from basketball. Um, yeah. but, but I hate them. I hate their football fans too. They're all the same people. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, it's, it's weird. Like I, I guess Missouri was a member of the Confederacy. So they're technically southern because of that legacy i've never thought of missouri as a southern state and missouri in the sec still makes no sense to me maybe it's just because of the way that they've played football historically maybe it's just the way that they're just so underwhelming which is shocking considering they're in a you know missouri as a state is not they are not short on talent 
and being having Kansas City and St. Louis in their backyard, like they should have talent. And yet you look at their history and they had that one year in the 60s. Um, they had a nice little runner to Pinkle in the mid to late 2000s. And that's it. Yeah. Like, okay, well, we well, did we did lose the last time we played there. I do remember that. But. Oh, yeah. You, you know this. I brought this up to Keegan. And he was kind of shocked. But of all the all the schools that left the Big 12, the last time OU played on the road against them, OU lost all of them. So it was kind of like I've always kind of chalked it up as God just feeling sorry for them. It's like, all right, fan base, you get to see them beat OU one last time. We, we lost the last time we played at A&M. Yeah, the Von Miller game in 2010. Hmm. Landry okay. Jones had a ball snapped over his head for a safety on the first play of the game. I remember watching that. Oh, going, oh. I do, I do, I do remember that. I it's like, oh yeah, I was, I, I was, I was at that game. <laughs> yes, you, <laughs> you were at a few. Yeah, we lost that one. We lost the Nebraska one in 2009. That abysmal football game. Yeah, I, I sat behind Landry Jones's parents on the plane back. Yeesh. His, his mom was distraught. She was bawling. Oh, it was awful. Well, I'm glad she was it, not happy. <laughs> I'm glad my uh, my 20 year old ass wasn't s- sitting behind them good because they would have probably wanted to kick my ass or probably would have kicked my ass from what I remember. And we lost um, to Colorado the last time we played them in Boulder in 2007 when Reggie Smith fumbled the punt. And then, oh, you forgot Malcolm Kelly existed in the second half. Yeah, I was a quarter late to that game. You missed the fun stuff. Yeah, well, my <laughs> I. Uh, it was a, an issue with our rental car and I had to get a, I had to hire a car to get there from Denver and it was before Uber or anything. So it was just, it was a nightmare, but we, we did make it. I mean, we did make it uh, for most of the game. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. And then, oh, you beat them all four of them the last time they played in Norman. So, oh, well, they need a scoreboard with A&M considering they played in the Cotton Bowl and they beat us, but that, that is coming sooner rather than later. No pun intended. Uh, their time is coming. Um, back to well, the, the thing. Oh. The, the thing. The thing about that that's going to be interesting is playing because I. I mean, whatever, however they set it up, we're going to be playing. I mean, I, I can almost guarantee you we're going to be playing. I mean, obviously we're going to be, be playing Texas every year. We're going to be playing Arkansas every year and probably Missouri. And playing Arkansas every year is going to be really interesting because those people are just weird. They have this thing about Oklahoma and they think our their their program is on some kind of a par with our program and have for years and the people in eastern oklahoma you know would kill the arkansas people because they have to deal with them all the time the rest of us you know it's not really an issue but um that, that's going to be a really interesting dynamic because most ou fans don't don't know this because arkansas is a non-entity to oklahoma fans for the most part but arkansas people hate us oh yeah i <laughs> don't mean, know why yeah uh, i mean there is history with with our programs. I mean, they, they took a national title away from us in the what 77 orange bowl against Switzer. That was his kind of like, that was his USC game of his career. They, they got, just got swamp destroyed by Arkansas. Oh, you paid them back about six, seven years later in the uh, 86 orange bowl, kicked the shit out of them um, played in the cotton bowl. Of course, uh, the thing that I've looked forward to with the Arkansas particular, because you're right, like we're going to play Texas, Texas A&M, Arkansas, Missouri, probably every year if they kind of move the schedule around. The thing I've looked forward to with the Arkansas matchup is hopefully that shores up Eastern Oklahoma and Tulsa recruiting just because we're going to be playing, I mean, not necessarily closer to them. I mean, we're 
you know, we're in the state of Oklahoma. Proximity is not a problem here, but Arkansas does try to raid Tulsa and East Oklahoma. Um, they've had some successes yeah. over the years. Hopefully that shores that up because I, I'm frankly getting tired of, you know, talented four-star, five-star player in Tulsa, insert player here, and then he goes somewhere else. Like that that really shouldn't happen with how successful well, and And they stole Keith Jackson too. I know. He's uh, – th- <laughs> Welcome back, Keith Jackson. He's gonna be calling some OU games if he's still yeah, uh, if he's Keith, still in the booth. We, we stole him from him when he was a player, and then they stole him back afterwards to do the radio call. <laughs> he's still a sooner. He's he's still a sooner. We don't need to. His yeah, right. yeah, it's all right. <laughs> well, back to I mean, the t- Warren Warren Moon does does color for the Seattle Seahawks, and you know he he's from Seattle though, right? Yeah, he, he played at uh, he played at Washington. Yeah, yeah, he played at Washington, but it's still weird. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the Tulane game, um, and you kind of already answered this question in the opening uh, about Spencer Rattler. So I'll probably try to ask it in a little bit of a different way. But what I wrote down was, uh, are you disappointed in Spencer Rattler making a lot of the same mistakes that he made last season, uh, or did we kind of as a fan base expect too big of a jump too quickly? Uh, but I, I guess how I'd frame it now, considering. You, you basically said, like, hey, that was, you know, it was a fairly good game. There were a few bad passes, but it was fairly good. Um, do you expect kind of the same progression that we saw last year from this point forward where after he got benched against Texas, he looked every bit like the number one overall pick NFL prospect that he's been billed to be from that point on? So basically it just seems like Spencer Rattler needs a wake-up call or kind of a fire lit under his ass, and then boom, he's fine. Well, I think, I mean, that's certainly what happened last year, and that's all we have to go off of. So, um, you know, obviously he didn't get benched in this game, but but he did have his issues and, and, you know, made some mistakes that, you know, ultimately could have been pretty costly uh, if things had gone a little differently. Um, So, I mean, I'm not not terribly worried about it. He he needs to cut out those mental errors. He needs to make some better decisions on those four or five, six passes per game. And I think he does that and and, – you know, he's going to be what we expected him to be. Now, there's no guarantee of any of that, but that's uh, that's what we've seen seen in the one year that we have to work off of. So. Somebody needs to somebody needs to let the hands team know that they don't have to wait for the onside kick to go ten yards. But oh my god, they waited for it. Killed me. Yeah. Um, look, the football spins and bounces very weird. Like I get that. I played football throwing a football around a zillion times from the time I was a kid, even till now. So I understand it's hard. Oh, Austin, please. You're, you're, you're better than that. You're bigger than that. You've got big ass hands. Collect that thing, please. Next time, please. Next time. If there is a next time, collect that some bitch. It's like being a, it's like being a shortstop charge the ball, charge the ball. You don't have to wait for it to go 10 yards. If you're receiving, you can touch it wherever it is. I, I don't know who Tulane plays next week or if they play at all. Um, I mean, they, they might have had a home game scheduled, and I don't know what that whole dynamic is going to be. Um, I, I don't know who they're playing, but they're playing at Legion Field. I know that. They do have a game this weekend. Okay. I would not be shocked. And I think Tulane's a good team. I think they showed that. They're talented. Pratt's a great quarterback for them. He's tough tough as hell. Um, Willie Fritz is a great play caller and a good coach. Have the, all that being said, would not be shocked if we see like a 2005 TCU meltdown out of them where they, we beat Oklahoma. Our season is set. Oh, we lost to SMU the next week. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and that doesn't mean anything if that happens either. 
no, no, exactly. It's from, just the, from one week to the next, it's it, everything can change. Yeah, it's just the reality of the situation. That onside kick was just one other example of how everything they did worked. The play calling was correct according to what Grinch was doing. Uh, the play calling was correct defensively for them according to what Lincoln Riley was trying to do. Everything they tried, they executed everything perfectly and credit to them, but it's hard to do that week in and week out. So, uh, you know, to, right. OU fans will be keeping an eye on Tulane. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, well, but, and I, I will say this. Those are the best-looking uniforms I have seen oh, yeah. in my life. I mean, the Angry Wave is the best best logo in college sports anyways. But leave, leaving that aside, the, 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 the powder blue with the green, oh, it was stunning. Yeah, it was Those pretty, uniforms are the best. And I'm happy OU was able to just, okay, let's wear the crimson jerseys with their colored jerseys. Uh, even though I was kind of looking forward to if they were going to wear their, you know, their white jerseys, their road jerseys at home. Cause I kind of thought about, you know, think about the OU fan who only gets to see OU play in person at home. You know, they've never seen OU wear the cream the, the white jerseys in person, unless they've gone to a Texas game that particular year. Uh, you know, it, it had just been an interesting thing, but I'm glad they went with the color on color. Cause that was beautiful. But yeah, the, I think I said on Twitter, the angry wave logo on the field is about the only other logo I would I would appreciate desecrating Owen Field, and so I'm glad that they I'm glad that they did that. Um, the last thing I have for you, sir, uh, and again, thank you for your time, and I look forward to all these Monday conversations as the season goes along. Uh, but after the game, Alex Grinch, horse, pissed off. I get it. It must be very frustrating to watch your defense go out there and play like they did for most of the game, and then all of a sudden on the final drive they play like they're supposed to, and it's just like where was that? Where was that bull rush the entire game? Why didn't you do that? Uh, but after the game, uh, he said that the standard at Oklahoma is mainly about, you know, of course, winning, but also how you do it, which I kind of interpreted as when you're playing teams like Tulane, not only do you need to win, you got to look good doing it. It's you've got to you've got to look the part essentially. Um, the Sooners over the last few seasons, like we've talked about, they've had trouble uh, looking good, winning since the second half of 2019. And do you see this as a Riley, Lincoln-Riley problem, or is this just happenstance because of Jalen Hurts' inabilities as a quarterback and then, of course, last year being weird and this just being day one, game one um, with a relatively still young, inexperienced team? Well, I think, it's, I think it's the latter. I mean, you know, again, we've seen this. We've seen this with Stoops teams. Switzer's teams used to have this problem sometimes. Uh, every team has this occasionally, and – it seems like it's a lot more prevalent when it's just happened. But if you go back and look, it's not, you know, it's not as prevalent as you think when you go back and look at it game by game, it happens too much. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, I think it'll be all right. And, you know, again, like I said earlier, you know, three, four weeks from now, nobody will, nobody will be worried about what happened against Tulane. So. Well, I mean, what are what what can you look forward to against Western Carolina? I mean, is it something as simple as just kind of what we talked about, like win and look good doing it? Make sure the effort is there so that not only are you up big, but Perry on Winfrey, you don't need to be playing in the second half. Uh, Caleb Williams needs to see some time, not just in a whatever we're going to call the bell dozer with Caleb Williams package. I think Eddie Radosvich coined it the DC dozer, which yeah, that's got a nice little ring to it. Um, I, I want to see more wide receiver depth. I want to see definitely Todd Hudson and Jaden Knowles because I need to find out if any of those cats is good enough to tote the rock 
if their number is called for some reason or just to spell Kennedy or, or uh, Eric Gray. Uh, is, is it that or are you looking for more kind of specific things? No, I'm just I mean, it's not about who we're playing in this game. I mean, we've got them out out talented, you know, six ways to Sunday and we're going to blow them out regardless. It's just how we go about doing it. Uh, execution, not making mental errors. Uh, you know, this game is completely about us and not really about the opponent. And I think, you you know, we just need to see them put forth the effort and uh, and put forth the execution that that they was lacking at times last week. And, and that's what I'm looking for is, you know, would be a successful game. I mean, I'm not worried about what the score is. I mean, obviously we need to win, but other than that. Yes. <laughs> and I don't know. I guess I'm a little shell-shocked because I assumed – one thing and that didn't happen and even though i know everything is going to go OU's way on saturday against uh, west carolina but again you know osu damn near lost missouri state and i know they didn't have spencer sanders and trace ford unfortunately for them appears to be out for the year and that that truly sucks for them he's a great player um weird things can happen i mean i don't know i i feel like the days of blue blood like good blue bloods when they're good um or good teams just blowing out inferior opponents week in and week out are kind of gone. And I don't know if that's just a product of scholarship limitations or uh, football becoming a little bit more, I don't know how to say it, but easier for lesser programs to have success in games because of the air raid, the spread offenses that can kind of get, get your guys in one-on-one. And if you just don't make a tackle, um, like basically Delarian Turner yells entire game, bless his heart. He just did not have a good day tackling. If you miss one tackle, I mean, that can turn a two yard gain into an eight yard, 10 yard gain. And then if you're a bad team or the worst team in the, in the game, you can find some success and find some life. So I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I shouldn't expect blowouts all of a sudden when OU is playing a team like Tulane anymore. Well, I mean, you know, I don't know that I expect anything anymore. Uh, I go to see what happens. Uh, sometimes I, I, you know, sometimes it's boring and it's a blowout, and sometimes you get what we got last weekend. Then it's just annoying. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I hope the uh, game day experience and just the game overall was uh, was fun for you, and you didn't. I mean, you're here, so you didn't melt. But I was a I was no, very close was, to. It was quite steamy though, and my my five year old and six year old that I brought with me uh, were asking in the first quarter when it was going to be over. So, Oh yeah. Oh, was it? Cause I always hear about 2002 UTEP or, or, or was, no, it, was it, two, two, it was 2000, 2000, 2002 UTEP was like the rain shower. Um, yeah, that was a, well, that game was rain delayed. No, 2000 UTEP, it was 106 oh. and we had been tailgating all day. I mean, probably from, that was a six, six thirty kickoff, something like that. We had been tailgating since 10 or 11 in the morning. I bet I drank two gallons of water and never went to the bathroom once. Oh yeah. It's just, it's out of your body is like just from your, you know, sweat in about five yep. seconds. Uh, 2019 Houston was fairly hot, but that was a night game. So by the time the game was kicked off, it it felt nice. And I mean, next Saturday against Western Carolina, it's supposed to be a hot again, but it's a night game. So by the time, you know, kickoff, I'll probably be in some type of state where it's like, oh, okay, it's a, it's a, it's a lovely, lovely day, and then I'll get ready for the radio post game on one hundred seven point seven. Well, a few hours that later. two that two thousand UTEP game was a night game too. It was like one hundred and six at kickoff at six or six thirty. Good God! 
It was nasty. OU Tep gets a night game. OU Nebraska, no sir. Nuh-uh. You playing? You, you're playing at nine o'clock Pacific time. Everybody signed the contract. Everybody signed the contract. Can you put? Can we put that on Bowlesby's grave? I mean, not not his life grave. I don't wish for death on anybody, but his career grave. That's where it needs to oh, go. No, I, I I I saved uh, some of his comments from media days about uh, his comments about expansion and his comments about. You know, we all signed the contract and I, I throw them out there occasionally in appropriate spots. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Bowlesby, we hardly knew you. Uh, Road Warrior, sir, where, where can people I, I mentioned at the top, but where can people find your stuff? Usually you put out a uh, story or is it on Soonerfans.com uh, following each game? But uh, where else can they find your great observations and work? Well, um, you already mentioned one at OU Road Warrior on Twitter. Um, and at Soonerspectator.com and Sooner Spectator Magazine. Uh, I had to write a, actually turned in a column for them this morning, but because of their publishing schedule, it was, it was the OU Texas preview, which is an interesting thing to have to write, you know, after one game, five weeks, uh, five weeks or six weeks, whatever it is before that game. So they, they had me, they had me do like, you know, a, 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 a subject that was not, it didn't, it didn't have anything to do with anything that's happened this season. So, yeah. um, you know, it was, it, it was usable regardless. So, um, there's a top, it's a, it was a top 10 list of, of, uh, my top 10 favorite, uh, uh, OU Texas games that I've been to. Are any one of them a loss? Uh, one of them, there's a loss and a tie on there. Yeah. Uh, was the loss 2009 at all? No, it was 1998. Oh, the uh, Demond Parker, or no? That was that when Matt Brown like smacked us, or was that the Demond Thirty? Parker? We lost. No, we lost thirty-four to three. Why was that a favorite? Because that was when I knew that John Blake was going to be gone. <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace, John Blake. Um, yeah, you know, like, I thought. I thought it might be two thousand nine because that's about the only OU Texas game I can watch in full, knowing that we lose, just because the defense damn near beat a, a Texas team that played in the national title that year. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, that, that was not on my, that was not on my radar, but that, that, that 90, 98 game sticks in my mind because they, uh, we were getting ready to go score and be down one, one touchdown, fumble the ball on their one yard line. Two plays later, they go 97 yards the other way and the game's over uh, on one play, not, not a 97 yard drive a 97 yard pass. Um, so, yeah. Oh boy. Well, those days are over. <laughs> those days are over but well, let's hope yeah hopefully 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 hudson card is good but not that good and sarkeesian is good but not that good uh, and we can all move on with our lives but sir thank you so much uh for joining me tonight and i look forward to uh the entire season hopefully the season goes according to plan uh for the most part but uh you know that's kind of the, the joy of what we do and what we do as fans it's just kind of like all right. How is this different? Is this season special or how is this season just different than the other ones? Right. Well, Brady, I appreciate you having me on. And, you know, at this point, I'm, I'm just uh, if we can play all the games that are on the schedule, you know, that'll be an improvement from last year. So, yeah, West Virginia. Exactly. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of hoping I've made my last trip to Morgantown and that I'm making my last trip to Waco this year, but we'll see. 
Oh God. Yeah. That is a great, that is a great way to end the show tonight. Last trip to Waco. <laughs> we'll see how that goes, but uh, road warrior. Thank you so much. I truly appreciate your time. Look forward to the rest of the season. Like I said, and everybody, thank you so much for listening to through the keyhole uh, for basically either now, or if you've been with us for a long time, I truly appreciate it. If you have not already, please leave a five-star rating and review good or bad you know I'm, I'm open to criticism but hopefully a good one on apple podcast if you've not done so once again our patreon page patreon.com slash through the keyhole um, we gained i think about 20 or 22 patrons since friday and a disappointing ou game can do that for a business but we truly appreciate that it allows us to do a lot more fun stuff and we're very excited for this season a film reviews up from already from the Tulane game from keegan uh, some reaction posts, funny videos to come uh, tonight or tomorrow, depending on if I get time to do it tonight, uh, but definitely tomorrow. So a lot of fun OU stuff. It's there for you to enjoy, and uh, we'll have fun with it. But for the Red Warrior, this is Brady Trantham. Thank you so much, and we will talk to you later. <laughs>